0: The umpire the umpire the guy who calls every play we ain't got no use for the umpire unless he calls it our way Hey Tommy he calls baseball is a game of rules 169 pages of rules to be exact 3 strikes you're out 4 balls take your base the ball bounced in the outfield and went into the stands ground rule double Arguing with the umpire about balls and strikes? Ejected. Baseball's long history means rules have been around for a long time. But it also means rules have changed as time has progressed. What was once a normal game 100 years ago would seem foreign to baseball spectators today. So how has the game's rules evolved? And what changes could we expect to see in the future? Baseball's changing rules. Today, on Rounders, a history of America's game. Changes his mind. Hey everybody, I'm Jeff Lambert. Before we get going in today's podcast topic, I do have some exciting firsts for the show that I want to mention to you. First off, we've hit 100 likes on Facebook. I'm really excited about this. It's only been a month since we started the podcast, but week after week, more and more people are subscribing and they're following on social media. So thank you for your support. It means a lot to me. We also have our first show correction, which I'm excited about sharing with you. And this is thanks to one of our listeners in Massachusetts, and her name is Sharon. So last week, we discussed Fenway Park's Green Monster. And in the final segment, I mentioned that there were three historic moments that I selected from the wall's history. And in 2005, there was an incident with Manny Ramirez, the left fielder for the Red Sox at the time. He disappeared into the green monster during a mound visit and supposedly used the bathroom. Now, Sharon mentioned that she had taken several tours of Fenway Park, and there's actually no bathroom inside the wall. So, that leads to two possible scenarios. Number one, Manny desecrated the inside of the green monster. Or, number two, he was doing something else in there. So I went back and began looking for more coverage of the event, and I came across an article that was run by the Boston Globe, and it featured an interview with the scoreboard operator that was on duty that night. The article reported that while inside, Ramirez briefly went online and checked a website that was, quote, definitely Manny being Manny, unquote. This is according to a guy named Christian Elias, who was the operator that was inside the wall that night. Uh, The Globe asked him to elaborate on what that meant, and he flashed a smile and said, and I quote, What happens in the wall stays in the wall. So there you have it. Manny was not using the bathroom inside the green monster that night. He was just surfing the web. What he was surfing for, that's going to stay between Manny and Christian, apparently. But I will link the article in the show notes if you want to read up more on the situation there. And Sharon, thank you for pointing this out. If you have other questions, comments, discussion points, please, I appreciate them all. Don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. I'm happy to talk about them. And again, just as a reminder, you can find the podcast under the username Rounders Podcast. That's one word, Rounders Podcast, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, so let's get to today's topic. So baseball's rule change history sounds like a pretty dry topic, but it's actually quite a fun trip to see how baseball has progressed since the first official rule book came out 161 years ago. So just for a bit of background, in the first episode of the podcast, we briefly discussed baseball's beginnings in the United States. We know that the game grew quickly in popularity in the 1800s, and there were hundreds of town teams that existed across the country but the rules and regulations varied by city and by region. So the version closest to the game we know and love today came out of the so-called New York style of baseball. There was a Knickerbocker baseball club, and they were the first to codify a written set of rules in the mid-1800s, and they were commonly referred to as the first 20 rules of baseball. So fast forward to 1857, there were 16 New York area clubs, and they decided to get together and they formed a baseball organizational body called the National Association of Baseball Players, or the NABBP. This was, the, this was an association that was the first to establish a uniform set of rules along with its founding as an association. So in 1861, the Civil War breaks out. This style of baseball spreads throughout the country thanks to Union and Confederate soldiers learning about this organized league and seeing with their uniform rules that they played with. So by the end of the Civil War in 1865, the NABBP has over 100 clubs. By two years after in 1867, they have over 400 clubs, and there are teams as far away as California. So with this original set of rules that were established, what did an NABBP game look like in the late 1800s compared to a game today? Well, Mm -hmm. this league was the first to introduce some cornerstones of the game that we have today, including they set the rules for a 90-foot base path between the bases, that there would be nine men on the field at a time for each team, and that a game would go nine innings. And this new league also abolished two common practices at that time, and not only were they common, they were very popular. So the first one was a tradition called uh, the 21 aces rule, which basically stated that teams played each other until one side scored 21 runs, and there were no set amount of innings yet. That meant games could last for days at a time before a winner was actually declared, So that was abolished for the nine-inning rule, and that took a while to take on with some of the other clubs across the country, but eventually it did. There was also another popular practice during this game, and it was called soaking or plugging. And this was very common in baseball games in the 1800s, and this was abolished by the NABBP. So basically what soaking or plugging is, is that a runner could be declared out if they were hit with the ball. So you would have players throwing the ball at players trying to peg them in order to get them out. So you can imagine this must have led to a lot of unnecessary injuries and fistfights, and the concept of tagging a player out was new. But it was definitely an evolutionary step for professional baseball. There were some other early rules that the NABBP established, and that included the practice of calling strikes. They regulated bat size. They regulated ball size and weight. They also made a rule that you had to touch all of the bases when you were running around the base paths. And they also introduced the the statistic of the batting average, which is obviously still used today. So even with these codified rules, uh, there were still some, say, different game staples that were still practiced during this time. So to give you an example of some of those that we don't see today, but were common back then, even under the NABBP, were things like how pitchers were treated. So In baseball's early years, pitchers were not meant to strike out batters or make life difficult for them in any way. In fact, batters could ask for pitches that were either high or low, and pitchers weren't really called pitchers during this time. They were known as feeders. So just imagine, you know, when your child's playing Little League and they have the coach pitch going on. Uh, That's basically what pitchers were used for in the early years of baseball. There were some other odd concepts as well that existed during this time, there were nine balls called before a batter could take a walk. Bats could be square or flat at the large end to make the ball easier to hit, but that also had the other effect of causing bats to splinter more often so that was eventually done away with. And then, of course, if you hit a ball and it struck a runner that wasn't standing on the base, that runner was declared out. So that was another interesting concept that existed back then. There was also, and this is, this is an interesting one, and I'm guessing this has to do with the evolution of the baseball glove itself, if a ball was caught in the air, the runner would be out, obviously, but also if the ball was caught on one bounce, that was also considered an out. So either one worked during this time. I think the one I found most amusing during this time in terms of rules and, and, and traditions during the early years of the NABBP was how umpires were treated then compared to now. So umpires don't get an overwhelming amount of respect in today's baseball culture, but in the early days, it was different. Umpires were commonly upstanding members of the community, and they were afforded a lot of respect for their role. They didn't squat behind the catcher. They would usually be somewhere close by home plate, and they were often sitting on a comfy chair, and there would be an umbrella above them to protect them from the sun. Now, there's a clipping from a 1960 newspaper report from the Marion Star, which is based in Ohio, and they stated about the treatment of umpires during this time, and I quote, "...the old-time umpires were accorded the utmost courtesy by the players. They were given easy chairs, placed near a home plate, and fans provided them on hot days their absolute comfort for the utmost. Umpires received the choicest bits of food and the largest glass of beer." So umpires went from having beer poured on them to having beer poured for them during this time. That's a tough development for them. Oh, yeah. The home plate umpire was also allowed during this time to confer with spectators. So if the umpire wasn't sure about the call to make, he could turn to someone in the stands and ask them if they had a better view. And if they did, he could issue the ruling based on what someone in the crowd said to him. So... Umpires uh, have come a long way, but probably not in the way that they would appreciate from then till now. Another odd sight for a modern-day time traveler at an 1800s baseball game was the role of the shortstop. So today's fans are used to this shortstop placed between the second and third baseman, and the shortstop during this time was different. Their role was more as a roving fourth outfielder, and their main duty was to be that cutoff man for balls that were thrown in from the outfield. And there was a much more practical reason for this. During the early days of the game, while baseball stadiums were still being built and, and built to specific regulations, a lot of times baseball diamonds were not fenced in. So if a ball was hit over the outfielder's head, it just kept going. So the outfielder that had to chase the ball had to get it back into the infield. So the shortstop's role was mostly to rove into the shallow parts of the outfield to be that cutoff man, instead of playing the infield more. So that's definitely a change that we see from then to now. So baseball went through some periods of frequent rule changes during its early years, especially from the mid-1800s all the way up until about the 1930s. And these changes made the game safer, and they made it more popular. So what rule changes has baseball gone through in more modern times in the past 50 years? And what changes could we see for baseball in the future? Let's take a quick break for the seventh inning stretch and then we'll take a look. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can find us at Rounders Podcast. That's one word, Rounders Podcast. If you subscribe, you'll get photos, quotes, and short event summaries from baseball's rich past in your feed on a regular basis. I also want to hear from you about topics you'd like to see covered, so keep in touch and follow me. I've also started a Patreon account, so if you'd like to support the podcast financially and would like to support more episodes, I would certainly appreciate it. Just $1 to $2 a month can go a long way towards helping me upgrade equipment and pay the bills so I can focus on putting together more content for your enjoyment. Members contributing 5 or more dollars a month will receive perks, such as show notes, and they have photos and research references. You'll also get extra episodes and regular live Q&A sessions with me. If you're interested, just go to patreon.com and search for Rounders Podcast. A link is also available in the show notes. That's all for now. Let's get back to the show. Well, welcome back, everybody. Let's wrap up the show by taking a look at recent rule changes in baseball's history, and then we'll take a quick look at what rule changes may be in baseball's future. So we're going to pick up around the end of World War II, And just for comparison's sake, there's only been 14 rule changes that have occurred in Major League Baseball since this time. Compare that to the period from 1857 to 1945, and there were over 75 revisions to the Major League Baseball rulebook. So probably the most significant rule change in the past 50 years in baseball would have to be the allowance of the American League to have the designated hitter instead of having the pitcher bat. This clause was added in 1973. Now, it's still a controversial topic to this day, one I may decide to explore further in a future podcast, but it did fundamentally change the game for both leagues in the Major League Baseball, even though to this day the National League still has pitchers in the batting lineup. So coming in a close second in terms of major impact on the game, I think would have to be the 1971 regulation that all batters had to wear protective helmets at the plate. This also was a big step in terms of pushing for the safety of players during the game, but during the time it was not popular with certain players in Major League Baseball. It seems like such a uh, common thing nowadays, no one even questions it, but during the time it was controversial. Some other honorable mention rule changes that have occurred in recent years include in 1969, the strike zone was shrunk from the armpits to the top of the batter's knees. In 1975, There was a mandatory three-day suspension that was instituted for doctoring a ball or a bat. And most recently, in 2008, Major League Baseball added limited instant replay that could be used for all games, uh, and that included anything that involved a home run call, whether it was fair or foul. And the most recent rule change that we've seen added to the rule book was in 2016. So in 2016, there was a rule that was passed that said any slides from base runners on potential double plays had to require that the base runners had to make a bona fide attempt to reach and remain on the base. You weren't allowed to just take out the second baseman to try and break up the double play. And the reason for this is they were trying to cut down injuries that were being accrued by fielders, by players coming in and trying to take them out to break up the double play. Now there was another one too that I should mention. Uh, In order to try and speed up the game, and this is something baseball has been spending more and more focus on over the past few years, any visits to the mound by managers or coaches, which previously did not have a time limit, is limited now to 30 seconds, and it's also limited to in-between inning break times. So that means that you either have 30 seconds to visit the pitcher on the mound during a game broadcast, or you have two minutes and five seconds during a commercial break to do so. And that's also, again, with the goal of trying to speed up the game. So in thinking about the future of baseball, it's no secret that baseball is losing to the younger generations, to more fast-paced sports like football and basketball and soccer. And the MLB is aware of this because it's had a negative impact on not only TV viewership, but ballpark attendance, too. The game is going to need to continue to evolve to reach a new audience uh, of young people. So what are some possibilities for future rule changes? Well, just last year, in 2017, the MLB took a serious look at changing the process for an intentional walk. Right now, as you know, if an intentional walk is issued... The catcher has to step out and catch four pitches before the batter can take their base. What would happen if this rule change took place is you could be issued an automatic, intentional walk without going through the four-step pitch process. So that's a potential change that could be made. Another rule change that's close to being adopted is a pitch clock, and that's with the intent of trying to speed up the game. The revision would set up a 20-second clock, And the clock would begin as soon as the ball is thrown back to the pitcher. Now, this clock is already being used in the minor leagues in sort of a testing environment. So they're looking at how this is impacting the game, getting fan feedback, getting player feedback. So that's another very real possibility that we may see on the horizon. Some other future possibilities that have been discussed include raising the strike zone, placing an automatic runner on second if it goes to extra innings, and there's also just this fierce debate that's going on within the midst of all of these rule change proposals between Commissioner Rob Manfred, who does have a desire to modernize the game more, and the Players Association, who is more resistant to some of these changes. So there's no timetable for a lot of these changes, and there is still discussion on whether they're necessary at all. But Rob Manfred did say in a recent interview in 2017, and I think it's important, he said that, Quote, we routinely draw 75 million fans to the ballpark each year and another 40 million to minor league baseball. No other sport has that kind of drawing power. At the same time, I believe it's a mistake to stick our head in the sand and ignore the fact that our game has changed and continues to change. End quote. I mean, baseball has been a sport of adaptation throughout its history. And I believe it's going to continue to be, as it looks to attract the next generation of baseball fans. It has to compete with the growing sphere of major sports in America. And you know what? That's okay. Change is fun. And baseball is going to continue to be worth tuning into, as long as it puts the fans first. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode, everybody. Your support means a lot to me again. Don't forget to follow me on social media, and if you have a few dollars laying around, Look me up on Patreon and buy me an iced tea. And remember, folks, there are only two seasons, winter and baseball.